I'd say probably the consistency was the skill. It's, it's a bigger mindset skill than anything else, but actually being consistent of, okay, I'm going to go out and do this every single day. Like I'm going to do something to get farther along. And it's that little bit of action, even if it's just a little bit of time every day of, I'm going to get one step closer to getting this happen. And it's the same as being in the gym. It's like you're picking up one weight and it's a lighter weight, but it's really heavy for you. And as you do that every single day, you get stronger and stronger and then bam, you're in it. I'm Neil. And I'm Brittany. We are a family on a journey towards financial and location independence. Each week, we interview successful real estate entrepreneurs about their chosen investment strategy and rate it based on how much money it took to get started, how long it took to educate themselves, how passive it is, and whether or not they could do it from anywhere in the world. Welcome to the Road to Family Freedom. If you like our show, the easiest way for you to give back is to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Head on over to roadtofamilyfreedom.com slash review for links and instructions on how to do that. We would be so grateful. All right, enough out of us. Let's hit the road to family freedom. Hey guys, Neil here. Uh, before we get to this week's show, I want to make you an offer. You can do a video chat with me. It's completely free. There's no pitch. This is not a sales pitch. I don't have any kind of a mentoring program. I'm not selling anything. This is literally just a way for me to connect with other real estate investors and being a working, a working dad with a, a son at home. This is much easier for me to do than trying to go to a couple of real estate meetups a week. So again, if you're interested, anything you want to talk about, if you're an experienced investor, a brand new investor, we can talk about anything and everything you want to talk about with uh, real estate investing. Just go to roadtofamilyfreedom.com slash connect and uh, fill out the form there to schedule a call. And I look forward to speaking with you. So let's get to the show. Greetings, friends and families. I'm Neil. And I'm Brittany. You're listening to the Road to Family Freedom podcast. Our guest this week is the founder and average Joe of Anchored Investing. He's been investing since 2018, where he got started with a burr of a single family home in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Sounds familiar. <laughs> Fast forward to today, and he currently owns five properties in Fayetteville. Plus, he's living on the beach on the Carolina coast, where he owns and operates five short-term rentals. Joe Prilliman, welcome to the Road to Family Freedom. Thank you. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yeah, it's, it's good to have you. It's good to see you. We met at the uh, Best Ever Conference uh, in uh, Colorado this last uh, February, and it's good to see your face again. So, I appreciate it. We were just uh, living the dream out there. Good old Colorado. The Best Ever Conference was awesome. So, happy to be there and looking forward to next year. Yeah, same here. So, you discovered Bigger Pockets in 2016 purchased your first burr in 2018. Can you talk to us about the time between when you first discovered real estate and when you finally bought your first property? Like yeah, what, absolutely. What took you to feel comfortable moving forward? It was a definitely a long process of just absorbing as much information as I could. At the time, I was selling industrial equipment across the Southeast, and I had a lot of windshield time. I was covering 11 states, and all these manufacturing facilities were pretty much in the woods. And so I was in the car all the time. And my sister's fiance at the time sent me over the Bigger Pockets podcast just randomly. He was like, Hey, this would, I think you might enjoy this, and let's see if we can't do some real estate together. And so 
I got hooked on it. And about two months after that, he kind of like stepped away from the whole real estate mindset and started pursuing other ventures. And so I just got the bug and I listened to every podcast I could get my hands on, every book they recommended. Audible was my best friend on the road and just became absolutely obsessed with it. About two years of doing that and just telling everyone I could, I started trying to attend every meetup I could. And um, yeah, that was the that was the start to getting comfortable was just absorbing as much knowledge as possible, networking as hard as I could, and just trying to be in the know of real estate. So what were the numbers like on that first burr that you bought? Yeah, absolutely. So the first burr I bought was a single family home, a three bedroom, two bath in Fayetteville, North Carolina, kind of a very specific spot in that area. I and mean, I just learned that through networking. Alex Felice, I know you guys have talked with him and he's a cool cat. We got to hang out at the best ever conference, but he was kind of my original mentor and guide to getting started in Fayetteville. And it was a um, foreclosure out of the VA and I purchased it off the MLS and it was $43,161 was the total cost to purchase that house. We had the rehab done for a little over 17,000. When it was all said and done, we had about 60 grand in the whole deal. And uh, we did the delayed financing method and ended up pulling all of our money out at a price for 80000 And it currently is rented at, I think, nine seventy five, but originally was renting at nine hundred. Gotcha. Okay. So to, to clarify, you said 43000 was the purchase price? Yes. 43000 about a $17,000 rehab. Okay. So all in for about $60,000. Mm-hmm. And then it appraised afterward for $80,000. Mm-hmm. And you did delayed finance, which allowed you to pull most of your original capital out in less than, it said 10 weeks? Yep. We did that entire project in 10 weeks from purchase to renting and refinance. Had all my money back in 10 weeks. It was pretty incredible. It was a, a nice little home run just to start out with. Yeah. It's a magical, uh, magical program. For somebody, for people who maybe don't know what delayed finance is, could you give us a brief rundown? Yeah. Delayed financing is a exception in the Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac rules for cash buyers to where you can pull out all of your money that you used on the purchase or whatever was on the HUD statement instead of waiting for that six-month seasoning period, which is typical if you buy something. So if you buy something with traditional financing, you've got to wait six months before you can refinance. Delayed financing just is a, a nifty little exception for cash buyers. But there's no regulation on where does that cash come from. So you can borrow the money either from a hard money lender or a private money lender and use that money, including putting your rehab costs on the HUD statement and then refinance the moment it's rented. Gotcha. And that's and that is key. There's two things. One, you know, Brittany and I used our HELOC to fund the purchase of uh, a burr much the same way that Joe here did. And it is key that you need to put the rehab costs on the HUD because that is what they're going to base your, the refinance, what you can pull out of it. It's basically whatever's on the HUD or I think less, like whatever, mm-hmm. you know, whatever the ARV is, uh, 75% or what's on the HUD. Yep, uh, whichever number is less. Yep, exactly. So after that, you did like four more. Did you do those pretty quickly? We tried to do them quickly. <laughs> we <laughs> really crushed it on that first one. And then um, it just, everything kind of got delayed after that. We Yes, we ended up buying three additional properties pretty much back to back right after that. Two of them were going on at the same time, but 
we had rehab delays, we had Christmas came up and just really slowed everything down. And so during that time, like, yeah, I crushed the first one, got all our money back in 10 weeks. But the second deal we ended up doing in, I think we ended up doing that one in 12 weeks. And then the third deal we ended up doing in six months. And the fourth deal ended up taking six months as well. And so I was, it actually turned out really well because in that time, Fayetteville went through kind of a pretty sharp appreciation just from a huge mass of investors coming in at that time. And so everyone kind of raised their ARVs by about $10,000. And so I ended up being able to pull out more money because I bought them before all the investors got in the market and then ended up doing the finance after. And um, they turned out really well, put like 10 grand a piece in my pocket for them and kept on rocking and rolling. That's nice. great. Did you, those initial funds, the initial $60,000 that you used to purchase that first property, was that hard money? Was that a HELOC? What was it, cash? All private money, friends and family. And so I'd been talking about this so much to everybody I knew. And through that, I'd, a lot of people just came up to me. It's like, hey, like I've got $20,000. I've got $75,000 sitting aside that I'm not making the money I want to make on. They're either sitting in just a savings account or they're in the stock market at the time and they just weren't getting the returns they wanted. And it, it wasn't so much about the returns. It was that these people, they were my friends and family. They believed in me. They wanted to see me succeed. And so my parents ended up funding a couple of them. Um, a really good friend of mine here funded another one. And we just, uh, yeah, ended up paying as best good returns as I could and um, better than what I had originally said I was going to pay them. And they were happy as can be. And now they're uh, like, they'll, be forever lenders for me, for sure. So fast forward to February of 2019, you made the decision to start doing short-term rentals. Can you talk about mm-hmm. what uh, what led you to that decision? Oh, man. Well, I mentioned a little bit about how there was a ton of Fayetteville investors. I mean, everyone just started pouring into Fayetteville. And my whole thing was I didn't have a deal machine for finding off-market properties. So everything I was looking for, I bought off the MLS. I've actually only purchased one property off market and it was in Fayetteville. Um, it was a couple months ago and that was just from a cold call, but with the deals just getting tighter and tighter and me not coming into a position where I had the money to put into a deal, I really needed everything to be able to pull back out. And so I just, I don't have a lot of money. Like that wasn't my original thing. I mean, we were saving money, but we weren't making absorbent amounts. And so I had to try to do this as best I could with pulling as much out as possible. And so with that, I just didn't like the numbers anymore and trying to figure out what to do. My wife and I were living in our original single family home that we had purchased. That's what you do when you get married, right? You uh, go out and buy the thing that you can afford. And that's just what you do because I had no idea about real estate. And so I'd been listening to Scott Trench's book, Set for Life. And I was really hooked on, okay, we need to do a house hack. And that's when I ran across uh, Clint Harris. He had put a really, really great post on Bigger Pockets about he was living right up the street from me and he was living for free on the beach. And I was like, hey, I'm not living for free on the beach and I love real estate. I'm going to go meet this guy. And so we met up, we got a dinner one night. He and his wife and my wife all went and got a beer, had some dinner and just really got plugged into what does Airbnb look like? How are you guys able to make this work? Like you're average, regular people, how are you living on the beach for free? And uh, they were like, well, why don't you just come check it out? And so they actually put us up in their Airbnb for free that night and just said, why don't you stay here and 
hang out and enjoy it actually turned out i think it was valentine's day they just had it <laughs> open randomly and said hey come hang out and we just fell in love with the concept and the idea and it just snowballed from there so what what did that first airbnb look like so the first one wanted to do a house hack but it just didn't present itself right off the bat we are currently living in on carolina beach in a house hack but our first deal was a non-conforming duplex. It was two cottages from the 1930s that popped up on the MLS. We actually used private money to purchase that. And we had, we used um, Clint's wife, Abby, to help purchase the deal. And they kind of held our hands and walked us through the whole process of here's how you set up an Airbnb. Here's what we like to use. Here are other people in the area doing it. And so we bought our first one through private money. And yeah, it's been, it's been our best property so far. And so it's, we've absolutely loved that whole setup. And it's the one you live in now? Not the one we live in now. We purchased that one in March of 2019. And we ended up purchasing a duplex about five blocks back in June of 2019 as well. And so we got those two up and running. We got them on Airbnb, got them renting. And then we were traveling about 45 minutes pretty much every day because you're starting a brand new Airbnb. You have no idea what you're doing and you're doing your own staging, your own rehab. And it was just exhausting. And so we were like, Hey, another one's popped up. We're ready to do a house hack. We jumped into that one and now we live at the beach. Well, I'm curious how you handled the, um, the private money on that. It wasn't, it was it a, the first deal, was it a distressed deal at all? Or was it just right off the MLS ready to go? It was right off the MLS. It did have a lot of distress. One of the units was, totally rehabbed, ready to go. It had a long-term tenant in it who had been in there for a couple of years. She had like five dogs and it's literally like a 500 square foot. No, it's like 450 square feet. And she had five dogs. She had plenty of other animals that rolled through there in the past and it was absolutely filthy, but they did a great job in the rehab. The back unit was completely vacant. They were being originally run by a long-term or short-term property management company that just wasn't keeping them filled very well. They were very small and they're typically for larger units around this area at least. And so they just were really underperforming and the back one needed extensive work. The shower had been leaking for like five years and completely rotted out all the subfloor and all the floor joists. And we ended up doing a complete gut in the back unit. But the front one, it just took like about a week of scrubbing and cleaning and getting all the dog pee and dog crap out from underneath everything. And we were just able to stage that one and get it going. So that one was a, a nightmare of filth. Yeah. Were you doing a lot of the rehab yourself or are you guys hiring out? Mainly did most of it myself. We had a couple different contacts of some just things that I didn't know. Um, there's some handyman on the island and a buddy of mine here is a contractor. And so I got some ideas from him and purchased my own materials, did everything I could myself that I could and hired out what I didn't know. And just through that, getting to learn kind of the whole contractor process behind it. Cause we had been part of the borough properties, but didn't get to be like there and view the rehab and see the whole thing go through getting to really be there to purchase the materials, work with all the different contractors was uh, really good, really eye opening for us. Gotcha. And then how did you struct Were you able to, did you use debt financing with your private money or did you basically pay them back once you, did you refi? I'm just curious how you did. Well, 
we're in the process of refinancing when this whole COVID-19 like issue came out. And so we actually haven't refinanced yet, but we were in the process of that, that those two properties ended up grossing about 65,000. Um, and we had them both listed from June, I guess they were both actually up in July. Um, we had the first one up in April and the second one after the rehab and all the staging was up in July. And so from that point for the rest of the year, we'd grossed about 65,000 and we were using that for our next refinancing and whatnot. Um, and we were going to kind of start the summer season again, because we had liquidated a, a good bit of our um, capital just that we had generated to stage a couple other units. And so we were going to build that back up over the summer and then finish our refinance and pay it out. But it, uh, it's on pause for right now. So bet it is. update soon. We'll, uh, I'll let you know how that one turns out. <laughs> we can talk more about that later. <laughs> so did you use the private money for just the down payment or did you use it to fund a full cash purchase? Full cash purchase. We purchased the entire property and they also funded the rehab and the staging. And so we're on a interest only note until we refinance and pay everything off. So the whole that? thing up front was, it's a uh, kind of the, I don't really know what you'd call it, but that's the, that's the fun one to get. Yeah. What was the total all in cost on that one? About 350,000, maybe a little less, but we had a little bit extra in savings just to kind of get the ball rolling, getting all our subscriptions running and making sure we had all the stock donors closets and all that jazz. Compared to long-term rentals, how would you say the comparison is for long-term rental versus short-term rentals on the expenses. You know, the expense ratio on long-term rentals is typically people say, you know, it's about 50% of your, your gross revenue. What would you say it is on short-term rentals? Once I have a lot more data, I'll be able to give you a better answer. But I mean, we've been running now for about a year. And from what I've seen, you're having people come in and clean it out all the time. You're having little maintenance things fixed all the time and your capital expenditures run at about the same rate as they would for a long-term rental. And so I'm seeing lower expenses just because we have such a higher amount of income coming in. So you've got your income to expense ratio. It's a lot lower for the Airbnbs. The different trade-off is like, this is my whole soapbox about Airbnb. I'm probably one of the few people that does Airbnb that doesn't really actually like Airbnb. Mm-hmm. And here's why. I'm gonna, I, let me like get on my soapbox real quick. If you're running a business, Airbnb is wonderful. But my original thought process for real estate investing was I wanted to be a passive investor. I wanted to do something that would take as little time as possible. And Airbnb has really just replaced my job or replaced mine and my wife's job is what it's turning into. And so we're having to run things like a business. We're building systems to make it more efficient, making it as well run, just a well-oiled machine as possible. But we're going to use that money to roll into different investments because it is a job. It's not passive investing. And our original goal was be as passive as possible. Do you feel like it's something that you could outsource some things to make a little bit more passive? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's so many people that are doing it well. Like we've now got property management software. You can get virtual assistants. You can do all these different things. But for us, we wanted to be some of the top performing properties in our area. And we're competing with people like Clint Harris. And they are rock stars. Like they know what they're doing. They're absolutely crushing it down here. And so we're kind of in the shadow of those guys, but we're trying to be as good as we possibly can be. And as we continue to outsource stuff, People don't love it like you love it. And the returns are still there. They do really well. But for us, like we wanted to have, okay, these are very hyper-focused. We're trying to make these as good as possible. And 
be more involved in that. And it's just a just how we've decided to run it. We're not looking to scale very large in Carolina Beach. Um, we're looking more to do one thing really, really well, and then use that money to invest more in burr properties and things that we can recycle our cash. I think that there's a kind of a disconnect between Airbnb and burr properties in that measure, especially in a vacation rental market, because you're buying things at the top of the market. There's not as much as a value add component. And for us, like that's very important because we want to recycle our cash. Even our house hack, like it ended up costing us about $20,000 to just to put our 5% down conventional loan down payment, and then another $10,000 to do our rehab. And sure, we're making that money back through the Airbnb, but it's not like the burrs. It's not like you're pulling your money out and then recycling it and doing it again. So that's my only beef with Airbnb. I love it, but it is a business. Yeah. Yeah. If you could offload one thing right now and hand it off to somebody else in regards to Airbnb, what what would be the first thing that you would offload? Mm. The emergency calls. We've had one issue whenever I didn't have my cell phone on me. And it was before we had the property management software. It was before we had different systems in place. And uh, we forgot to tell our cleaner that we had a cancellation and then someone else booked. And so I was on a boat because I'm out here in Carolina Beach and we like to be on the water and I didn't have my phone and we ended up having a guest show up to a dirty unit. They almost can't like we almost lost our super host status. We had just a lot of other issues. And so if I could outsource the emergency calls to someone else, that would be the first thing that I would do. Have you ever explored hiring basically a VA, like a, I know people who use Filipino VAs that are basically a man, a phone for, you know, 24 hours a day. They speak great English and mm-hmm. you kind of set up a, set up a, um, a standard operating procedures for them that will sort of field those all but the most emergency calls. I mean, I guess it wouldn't really help you this. This is a true emergency, but at least it will sort of catch those. Oh my God, what do I do? Kinds of things. Right. Yeah, we've looked a little bit into it, just haven't taken those steps yet. Again, we're we're only at five units. I know you mentioned in the beginning that like we own these units. Well, one of them is a partnership. And so we're in a partnership with two other of my good friends out in Colorado. And so we physically only own three. And so if we get a little bit larger, yeah, we're going to look at outsourcing a little more. But for right now, it's the boat we're in. Gotcha. Yeah, makes sense. Gotcha. It's happened to us before. We weren't on a boat and unreachable, but, um, (laughs) I mean, we had, we had a, I think once, maybe twice where like, especially before we started using turnover BNB where it like automatically syncs with our calendar and like Mm -hmm. schedules with our preferred cleaner. But before that, when I was just like texting my cleaner and being like, here's some, you know, here's the times. Yeah. We, we missed one and, and we definitely had to make it right so that we didn't get a crappy (laughs) review. Mm -hmm. And then one other time we had a guest show up. We had just switched over to kind of doing Airbnb's self-check-in system. And I, yep. thought, it was, I thought it was working great. And we had a guest show up that just didn't, it didn't work. It didn't give them the information and they showed up and there was just no, they had no information on how to check in and they didn't have the code for the lockbox. And they, I think they tried to call me a couple of times, but it was the middle of the night. They came in late and mm-hmm. they couldn't get into the unit at all. So they had to turn around and go get a hotel room for the night down the street. It was, oh, it felt so bad. I mean, they were, they were really, really understanding. We ended up paying for their hotel room that night and then they moved into mm-hmm. ours. But I mean, you just do what you got to, you know, mistakes happen. 
and yep. you do what you you do what you got to do to make it right. And the average person, I would say, seventy five yeah. to eighty percent of the people will be understanding and and we'll, we'll give you a break if you, if you make it right. Yeah. Still and that's what it's all about too. It, feels terrible. <laughs> it does. It, it feels absolutely horrible whenever you drop the ball for someone, but it's like you went out of your way, you made it right. And you took care of the person and that's reflected in your reviews. That's reflected in everything you do. And as long as you're trying to build the nicest place for someone possible and putting their needs above your own and going out of your way to take care of them, like you're going to run a great Airbnb and it's a, uh, it's a lot of fun. It really is. We do enjoy it. And anyone can do it is the beautiful part is you can go out and you can purchase a multi-unit property. You can Airbnb it out or you can long-term it out and you can get started in the real estate game. So I absolutely love that. Gotcha. So I guess we've maybe covered this already. What's been the highlight for you of being a short-term rental owner operator? Highlight is, I mean, I live at the beach. Like it's a six minute walk for me and my wife. Like we love walking on the beach. We have our little dog and we hang out with him and we just love the feel and how the whole, you can live wherever you want in the world if you do something like this. And so the freedom that that's given us with our jobs and with what we do, like we just absolutely love that. Definitely the highlight. Gotcha. And the low light would be out on the boat getting an emergency call. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I took my wife. It always happens the worst time too, which is, it's the worst. I took my wife on a date to Krispy Kreme and we pull up to Krispy Kreme and we get a call because the, uh, our new tenants got in there and they blew the breaker immediately because they plugged in like six heaters and like four hair dryers and everything is out of power. And now I'm like, all right, babe, load up and we have to go and fix all this crap. And then it, uh, it wore on her a little bit, but we're, uh, we've got systems now. So all right. we're getting there. <laughs> That's good. All right. That's good. So when you first started out and maybe you can apply this to when you first started out with like the burrs or when you first start getting started with your short-term rentals, what do you feel like was the most critical skill you needed to learn? Mm. I'd say probably the consistency was the skill. It's, it's a bigger mindset skill than anything else, but actually being consistent of, okay, I'm going to go out and do this every single day. Like I'm going to do something to get farther along. And it's that little bit of action, even if it's just a little bit of time every day of, I'm going to get one step closer to getting this happen. And it's the same as being in the gym. It's like, you're picking up one weight and it's a lighter weight, but it's really heavy for you. And as you do that every single day, you get stronger and stronger and then bam, you're in it. So that was definitely it for us is the consistency of, okay, we are going to find a place. We are going to do this. We're going to crush it in Fayetteville, Carolina beach, you name it every day, taking one step at a time. I love that analogy of the gym. You know, people are like, you know, well, I'm going to, I'm going to do this to, to get to here. And, and they go, you know, it's like if you go to the gym and you work out for three hours, one day, uh, and then you don't do anything for three months, you're not going to get mm -hmm. very far. But yep. if you spend 10 minutes at the gym every day for three months, there's where you're going to see your results. And the same thing for mm -hmm. real estate. You got to do, you got to do a little bit every day. It doesn't need to be that much. I mean, it can be, but it really doesn't need to be all that much. And it's so simple to just do something like we started hosting a, a meetup here in Wilmington, um, which is right outside of Carolina beach about a year ago. And so many people come up and go, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to have this passive investments, financial freedom. I'm going to live the dream, yada, yada, yada. And they come to one meetup 
and they post two things on bigger pockets and they like, they don't go out and do the work that it takes to be successful in this business. And I mean, I get people ask me all the time. It's like, okay, well, what, what should I do? What should I read? How should I start? And it's like, I, I've probably had five people actually do it. And of those five people, three of them now are real estate investors. And it's because they were consistent and they did the work. If you're consistent, you'll crush it. The other thing that I think is important is to find, and something that you did, it's something we've done, is find yourself a close carrot. Find, yourself, find, find somebody who's doing what you want to be doing who's not so far ahead of you that you just look at them and go, oh, there's no way I could get to where they're getting. But find them and then find a way to add value to them so that you can learn from them. Yep, exactly. And I've literally done that with all of my investing as well. It's like all the burrs, like I had other people teach me how to do that. All the Airbnbs, like they taught me originally how to do it. And they learned that from someone too. Like they're happy to help you. They want you to learn. They want you to be successful because if we're all in this together and you have that abundance mindset of anyone can do this. And if we all do this together as a team, we're going to be so much stronger. And so we're constantly helping each other. Like I'm talking with the people that help me get to where I am all the time. And my goal now is to help them be better. And so it's like, yes, they've gotten me started. And some people will view that as, okay, well, you've just created competitions. Like, no, it's, there's an abundance of deals. There's an abundance of stuff that we can do together. And the more we do, the farther along we're all going to get. So I love that. Awesome. Is there a book that you feel like it's one of your favorite ones that you recommend to people often? Am I allowed to tell you all three that I tell everybody? Yes. Awesome. <laughs> so I, um, no I'm pretty rules much a, no podcast. rules. I can say whatever I want. Yeah. I love it. I tell everybody that wants to get started in real estate that you got to read three books. I tell them you got to read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which yeah. is just the broken record. Everyone tells you that. <laughs> and then Set for Life by Scott Trench. And I always tell everyone Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss because it's the negotiating book. It's a wonderful book. And if you just kind of embody those three books, you will be successful. You can't not be successful. You said that this is kind of like a full-time job for you now or, you know, running this business. What does a day in the life look like for you? Mm, day in the life of Joe, average Joe. <laughs> um, so I was doing industrial sales with this. And so at the time, like getting into real estate, it was, I was on the road, I was making my sales calls and this was all kind of on the side. And as we moved into Airbnbs, my wife was working full time uh, for a company here in Wilmington. And she actually ended up quitting her job and only managing the Airbnbs. And that was her entire life. And so I focused more on acquisition of deals and financing. She focused more on the actual management and staging. And so for the, the average life of Joe, my, uh, my sales job is now gone. We moved full time into real estate. I went and got my broker's license and I'm in the process of connecting with a, a firm that I'm going to hopefully be working with moving more into the sales side of it. And I'm currently doing a lot of the, the little maintenance on the properties as much as I can, rehabbing our own primary residence and kind of getting that ball rolling in the real estate world. But again, I know we, we brushed over it a little bit. All of this change happened right before COVID-19. And so everything's kind of on pause right now. But that was the plan was move into real estate sales, move into a more active role, full-time real estate and have this Airbnb business as automated as possible so that I could take that over as part of the business. So how often, how often do you have to, you live in the area, you live within 
you know, what's your Fayetteville is probably your furthest property away, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. Fayetteville is about two hours away. That is all managed, done to the properties. I've never even seen them. And so that's all as passive as possible. The Airbnbs, I mean, we live in one of ours. The other ones are all within five minutes of us. And so I do a majority of that work right now. Okay. Do you feel like you could leave the country for a couple of weeks and still operate your business as you have it right now? If you gave me a couple of days to make sure I had all the, uh, it's again, it's always about the team. As long as you've got a great team in place, you can crush it. I need a couple of days to make sure my team was fully solid and up, but it'd be very possible to leave the country for a couple of months and still run this business the way it is. As long as I had that team adequately set up. So if you could start all over with your real estate investing career, knowing what you know now, is there anything you would do differently? Yes. Um, I would buy audible a lot quicker and listen to a lot more books right off the bat. But in general, the being consistent and networking as hard as I have and like meeting with people face to face to actually learn how this is done. It's that growing that got me to where I am now. And so now I don't think I do much different. Do you have any advice for someone that's looking into getting into real estate that might have a full-time job, a family, be really busy? Mm -hmm. Like I said before, be consistent. Like every day, take 15 minutes read a blog, read a book, post something on bigger pockets, try to set up a phone call meeting with someone, do anything you can to make this a priority. Because if it is a priority, it's going to be successful. And it takes time. Real estate is a really slow game to get into. And everyone fantasizes about, okay, you've built this snowball effect of where you've got cash flow coming in. And now you can go out and buy more properties and invest property, invest money into properties and watch it roll. But it takes time to build that base. So make sure you've got a really strong foundation and when the time comes, it will work and just don't lose faith in it. Keep working at it every day and you'll do great. Awesome. Okay. So as we record this, as you have heard throughout the show, we're sort of right in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic and Sunday, March 29th. So the whole world is in talk about is, uh, (laughs) particular yeah. to this date. Cause yeah, we've been, uh, I've been locked in my house for the last two weeks with my uh, five-year-old and he's still alive, oh, luckily. Uh, <laughs> my parents are here. Yes. We've had a buffer. We've, we have They're a buffer. leaving soon. Yes. Which oh man. And I'm, I'm going to have to, you can see my work. If you're watching on video, you can see my work computer set up in the background and I'm going to be attempting to work from home and also uh, homeschool my kid feed him, keep the house relatively put together, uh, which is normally- You get to be a stay-at-home dad. I get to be a stay-at-home dad. I did that before. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so all that to say- (laughs) I get to work. Yes. I'm actually, I have to get on my soapbox for a minute. Incredibly frustrating, and I'm sure there are other people in the world that feel this way, as everyone complains about day two. Nine, you know, nine and quarantine and all this bad stuff and wine, wine, wine. And I'm like, I would kill to get to stay home for more than three <laughs> days a week with my family. Yeah, I'm sure that like everyone would get on my nerves after a while, but I have to go to work four days a week and hope that I stay well because I do work at a doctor's office. We don't deal with COVID nineteen. We're not we're not dealing with patients. We're not doing testing. It's a naturopathic office, but we're trying to keep ourselves open for people who are getting regular treatments with us. We do a lot of IVs and things, 
but you know, I'm one person walking in who's asymptomatic away from getting sick. But anyway, like I have to deal with that and I'm, I wish that I could stay home. I don't get to. And it sucks. Mm. I'm jealous, <laughs> but also thankful that I still have a job. So it's, it's, I'm like torn. Yeah. Jobs are nice. Jobs are good. Yeah. So that's my little soapbox. box. I know there's other people who have far more important things to complain about. <laughs> All right. So that all that to say, how <laughs> how is COVID-19 impacting you and your business right now? Oh man, it's completely shut down. Like it's uh absolute garbage. And I understand it completely and I get it and I'm totally for it and I'm just really hoping that this does pass sooner because it will. It will pass. But like out of our five Airbnbs, we were completely blo- blocked out for April and May, almost 100% occupied and now we have a mandatory no vacation rentals in Carolina Beach. The hotels, the motels, everything is shut down. If you don't have a 90-day lease, you're not allowed to be renting or staying anywhere on the island. Mm. Obviously, they don't want you to kick out your month-to-month tenants and whatnot, people who've been there. But like new people, it's 90-day lease or nothing. And so all the Airbnbs are vacant right now. And uh, we have the mandatory nothing until April 22nd. And now North Carolina has a stay-at-home order until April 30th. So most likely ours will get extended to that. And just got my broker's license. And so that's kind of on hold too. And so we're figuring all that out. But it's definitely a a, uh, sit and wait and really work on your systems, try to get it as good as possible and being prepared for hopefully a buyer's market after this where we can get good deals and start seeing that role again, but obviously not wishing any misfortune on anyone. Like we want everyone to get through this well, but I do think we're going to see some changes and it might be a a good time for some real estate investors, but the broken record of if you don't have good emergency funds and you didn't do sound investing, now's the time where you're going to get tested on how good have you been building that base? So, yeah. Are they doing any, I know like some places, I don't even know if it's in the States at this point, but there's places that are using Airbnbs or or vacation rentals as like a way for people to quarantine. Are they, do they have anything like that that people are wanting to set up or use in that way? We tried to do that initially. Um, We contacted the hospitals. We were, it was as the whole thing was laying out of, okay, what can we do? Can we fill these things? Can we put long-term tenants in them? Um, We ran through a lot of different scenarios. Could this be like a place where you can work from home? Is this a place where you could like stage photos? Is this a place where you could do whatever, Um, anything to generate the income while vacation rental was going away? But then our town came out and said, hey, you've got to have a 90-day lease. There are no vacation rentals. They even built a hotline so you can report your neighbors if they're bringing people. And so they're, they're very serious about not having vacation rentals right now, which is crazy because that's the lifeblood of our community. Like that's what keeps our town rolling. And so it's, it's very serious if they're actually blocking all that because that's their primary income as well. It's going to be a, an interesting little shift, but no, they're, they're not doing that. I've seen the articles for Europe, how they're doing that a lot in Europe and they just rolled that out. But um, Carolina beach specifically will be excluded from that if they do it just because of our town ordinance laws. And you guys are almost, you're just about to enter the leading edge of the high season for you guys as well, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Yep. July is gonna is typically our largest season. Our two original units last year did a little over 14,000 in July. 
um, out of that total gross, 65,000. So that's definitely our high point. We see really good stuff from April to October-ish and then a little stuff throughout the rest of the year. But it's, uh, yeah, we're, we're leading right into the start of the season. So hoping this passes sooner than later. But. Gotcha. And you are, are you're staying in communication with your private investors, explaining to them what's going on? Have they been, you know, you said most of them were friends and family, so I imagine they're mm-hmm. somewhat sympathetic. Yeah, most of them are just happy they're not losing money, mainly because, I mean, you've seen the stock market hits and you've seen everything else that's been going crazy. So it's, uh, they're very understanding, very happy about it. It's more of, okay, we're going to hunker down and just be prepared and we're going to work from there, but you know, <laughs> we have a visitor. Yeah. Uh, can you go ask <laughs> Noni and pop pop for whatever you need? Go, go bother Noni and pop pop. I can hear them. You've already had a lollipop. Go, go get something else. COVID-19. <laughs> yeah. Yay. I mean, it's like this sometimes too, cause you can't always get a, a face. I don't know. Go just go talk to Noni and pop up. They get to make the decisions when we're not re- available. <laughs> <laughs> hey this is real life i mean yeah, it, it's what yeah, it is so family podcast mm-hmm. sometimes we got yeah. Yeah. a little one comes in and you're gonna have so much fun working from home <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I used to have like a nutrition business i'm a nutritionist and it was mm-hmm. incredibly hard and i just like I probably could have done it if I'd like known some of the things I know about now about like structuring and all these different things that I've kind of learned along the way. But as I went, it was, it was, yeah. Although he's five now, he's five and a half. So like he can be more independent, but he's also like a social monster. Like he is an extreme extrovert and he wants to be around people constantly. And so He's, you know, it's, he's, it's like the worst thing that's ever happened to him. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, Luckily my parents are here right mm. now, but like once they leave, it's, it's going to be a little rough. Yeah. So mm. it's fine. All right. So do we have, do we, have we covered it all? I feel like, is there anything else that <laughs> you would like to talk about Joe? <laughs> no, I mean, I, it's just real estate's a really fun game. And it's really great and you can live a really cool life and it's so much fun. The people you get to meet, the things you get to do. And I still, even in the hard times, it's like, I still recommend people do this and you can reach a level of financial freedom where you can do what you want to do and live life you want to live. And so it lets you give back to your community. It lets you do so much more than just being stuck in your job and living paycheck to paycheck. So I'm all about people getting into this. So please reach out anytime. Gotcha. Well, yeah. Joe, I'm, I'm, okay, I'm going to say something. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> anyway, I'm just going to say that like in this like moment, it's also good to remember that like with anything that anyone's doing, it could go away anytime. So like, yeah, you're having like this, this sucks right now for you, but you've probably done all the things to kind of have that emergency funds or whatever you needed in place to like help or I hope you have. <laughs> um, yeah. And same for uh, like a, any, you know, like, like I said, I hope that I shall continue to have a job, but I don't know what's going to happen moving forward. Cause we may not be able to make it another two months running and behooves everyone to have sort of a backup plan no matter what. Cause I had a lot of people that like when this started happening and I was saying, here's, you know, here's what's going on with our things. And they were like, Ooh, maybe real estate's not the best thing. And I'm like, Oh, 
maybe having a full-time job in a, an industry that's now not essential is a bad idea. Like, how would you not know, you know, like, like, how do you know, you know, like there's, you can't, this is an unprecedented event and real estate has been, is a great investment. Generally speaking, like you just, you can't plan these things. So Mm -hmm. try and have your safety net in place. Yep. Yeah. And that's it. Sound investing. Just don't live in fear of it and go out there and just do sound investing. It's buying for cash flow, secure long-term debt and have adequate cash reserves. You do those three things, you're going to crush it. Yeah. Thanks for my mantra. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. Well, Joe, thank you so much for sharing with us today. If any of our audience wants to reach out to you and find out more about you, uh, what would be the best way for them to do that? Uh, find me on bigger pockets or anchoredinvesting.com. That's A N C H O R E D and then investing.com and reach out anytime. All right. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. Yep. Thank you guys. Hope you have a great one. Okay. That was Joe Perlman from anchoredinvesting.com. Certainly appreciated talking to Joe and kibitzing about all of our woes right now with the COVID 19 <laughs> and uh, kibitzing over uh, Airbnb and things like that. So. What was the key lesson learned for you on this interview? I liked hearing about, you know, what his thoughts on consistency were and like, you know, getting started, sort of all that, like do one thing and, or just, you know, keep, do something every day and connect with mentors, sort of that foundation that we talk about a lot that is still one of the most important things that you can do, uh, especially when you're getting started. And then also really to be successful as you go. In real estate and life. Yeah, pretty much everything. Yeah. <laughs> do do a little bit every do a little bit of whatever you're working towards every day. Don't expect to be able to do it three hours one day and then not do anything on it for three months. Yeah. It's not the, that's not the way to be successful. So yeah. For me, it was just a reminder that Airbnb is a business. It is not passive investing. Uh, we certainly. Brittany and I have been very successful in moving ourselves as much as possible from our short-term rental. And we have certainly interviewed people who do it pretty well where it's pretty, pretty passive, Mm -hmm. Uh, but it does require building a lot of systems and having learning to manage teams and learning to manage team members and things like that. And that's a good reminder. Yeah, definitely. Key piece of knowledge. Well, I think you covered it right there, which is he said, you know, consistency. He had to learn how to be consistent. Yeah. And that involves, again, if you're working on something to do with real estate, 15 minutes every day, looking at deals, calling on deals, you know, whatever, however much you can do it. It's something you got to do every day. It's not something you do once a month. Yeah. Money. They, they were all in on that first deal for $60,000. However, he used private money. on that, yeah. So you really got in for essentially almost zero money money down. So yeah. if you can, if you can pull that off, if you've got uh, family or friends that are uh, looking for some place to put their money, approach them and uh, offer them, you know, offer them terms, offer them a little bit money, more money than they can make in the stock market. And you'd be surprised how many people would say yes. Yeah. Awesome. So time, he spends a lot of time on this, although, you know, he, we kind of talked about it being a full-time job for him and his wife. Now, if you read between the lines, it's a full-time job because they're really doing for both of them because they're doing more than just the Airbnb. If they were just doing Airbnb, I feel like that's probably wouldn't be all time consuming. I mean, some of it is also, you know, I think they're still setting some up or they've just gotten some sort of done. There's, you know, there's a lot of 
as we've talked to plenty of other people who, you know, have Airbnb businesses set up and it's not a full-time job. It can be, not, it's not passive, but it's, it's definitely not a 40 to 60 hour a week job. But they're, you know, trying to set up more business parts and pieces. So it's, it's definitely more for them. Gotcha. Could he do this strategy from anywhere in the world? If he had a system set up, yes. I mean, he does the, the single family homes in Fayetteville without much input there. And then he said, even though he said that they really do most of everything themselves with Airbnb, it sounds like he could set up a team. He could have people that could look over that, can't kind of keep an eye on it and be available if he needed to. So, yes. Gotcha. The answer to okay. Awesome. Well, once again, that was Joe Prillman from anchoredinvesting.com. And we appreciate your time. So awesome. until next time. Let's hit the road. Bye. And if you like this podcast, we would really appreciate it if you take just a few minutes and leave a review for us on iTunes. It's really simple to do. Just go to roadtofamilyfreedom.com slash review for links and instructions. Thanks for listening. We're doing this all again next week. Until then, safe travels.